0: So, I'm Angus. My first name is James, I go by my last name. So if you ever hear my wife call me Angus, that's why. (laughs) She's never stopped, even though uh, somebody said, is your name Angus Angus? No, it's not. (laughs) It is Angus. So people typically around me and my wife, they're like, you call your husband by your last name? Yep, that's how he introduced himself to me. (laughs) So, it's kind of weird like that. I'm one of your co-teachers, as a little bit earlier, you have Andy and Jeff. Jeff's our resident scholar. Uh, I depend on Jeff I love his teaching man. You We're going to have fun in here uh, I was just I was thrilled when they asked me to be a part of this group uh, Last class So I'm enjoying this time with everybody uh, I love like I was telling them I love Bible <coughs> Excuse me I love talking about it And sometimes I don't know when to stop That's why when I preached a few Sundays ago, I was getting scared that I would talk too much. (laughs) But they have a clock here at this church, so it kind of helps me gauge that. Now we just need to put one in the back of the room. (laughs) That's right. All right. So, our class, of course, is over the Gospel of Luke. So, in here, anybody, what can you tell me about Luke off the top of your head?
1: He was a doctor.
0: He was a doctor. doctor. One of the four Gospels.
2: One of the four Gospels. There you go. It shows up as the third one in our
0: in our order. It shows up as the third one in our order, right. Starting the baseline. Some would argue Luke-Acts is one big book, one big treatise. Okay, okay. Some would argue that Luke-Acts is one book. Okay, some would argue that it's two separate letters from the same author. What else have we got?
1: Baseline Luke. Baseline Luke. Yeah, Bas- what what you, is your? What do you know off the top of your head about yeah. it? Luke and Acts are the actions, same length. Two roll, two scrolls each. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That is correct. Lu- Luke clearly wrote, clearly, read mark.
0: He definitely read mark.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, I mean, in the modern era, he would get knocked off for <laughs> plagiarism. <Platinum. laughs> <laughs> yes, he would. He got written up because okay. over over forty percent of his book he is mark. Is mark.
2: So they're called. It's a synoptic gospel, which is like same eye synoptic. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. So and then John is just the oddball there. you Go right, different. But that that's part of the similarities is that Luke probably well, he used Mark a whole lot. Oh yeah. And,
1: and, he, and he probably you probably read Matthew too. I, there's yes. a lot. of, I mean most. Conservative would say, scholar would say, it goes Mark, Matthew, Luke. Luke. And that Luke,
2: I mean, because Luke says in his first thing, you know, I looked at everything, I talked to everybody. So, as as far as like when they were written, probably Mark came first, maybe Matthew next, Luke probably after that. Right. Uh,
0: Did anybody in here ever think Luke was an apostle? Raise your hand. uh, Me Me too.
2: too? Yeah, yeah. he's clearly an apostle, right? No, no he's, not. he's not. He's not. Just some random dude yeah. from Acts. He shows up in the book of Acts. He writes
0: about himself. Being there. Yes. He was. Yeah, he was definitely in Acts over there with Paul. I'll never forget I got into an argument with somebody when I first started to lips over Luke being an apostle.
2: <laughs> no, he's got to be an apostle. <laughs>
1: That's what I said. <laughs> I mean, he's got to be. It, he wrote this. It says St. Mark in my Bible. Or St. Luke, right? St. Luke. Well, he's a saint.
0: One of the interesting interesting facts I looked up when I was uh, doing my research into the introduction stuff about Luke was that Luke is one of the largest contributors as far as verses go. He's got like, what, 2157 verses? Paul had 2032. I'm like, okay. Because Luke does have a tendency to have those long chapters. He pontificates a lot. He does, he does. But like Andy had pointed out, I think it's really interesting that you see in the beginning of Luke and Luke 1 through 4, he kind of tells you what's going on. He's like, okay, you automatically know he wasn't there firsthand. He lets you know he's been reading other people's stuff. He's been researching it because he talks about the, the eyewitnesses that handed it down. And I'm going to give you an accurate or a more accurate picture of what you come to believe and whatnot. And who's he writing to? Does anybody remember who Luke is talking to his audience?
1: Okay. Says, Go ahead.
0: It says Theophilus, but
1: that could be like a, may not be an actual person. It's more of an idea. Or like a,
0: exactly.
1: Theophilus might not be a person.
0: It could be a group of people, because some people have heard this. Not a real Jewish
1: name either. Right. I, it's, it's interesting because I, I looked at some of that in the background. Theophilus was a very, very common Greek name. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, there and to make it even more interesting, there are two high priests of uh, that are Jewish that have the name Theophilus at around the time that Luke is writing. Hmm. I actually met
2: somebody named Theophilus yesterday <laughs> from Nigeria. <Nice. laughs> there we
0: go. And the name really, literally means lover of God. Right. That's what it means. That's why some scholars think it's not a single person; it could be people, lovers of God. Or some think it might have been somebody of prestige, because he says most honorable Theophilus. You know, think first pers-
2: name was Ted. Therefore, we had the first Ted Talk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs>
0: so that part is really up to for debate when it comes into who the audience is. But we do know whoever the audience is is somebody who's trying to follow Jesus. We do know that. Why? Because this is what the whole account is about. Some people would say that the Lucanian account in the Gospel of Luke is Jesus' movements, and then in part two in Acts is the movements of the church following Jesus. So we'll see that as we go through this flow. And you're going to hear us, I mean, talk about a little bit about Acts here and there because it's kind of really hard to teach Luke without talking about what's going on in Acts because they're so intricately woven together because we come to know. They have the same author.
2: One of the tragedies, I think, is that Luke and Acts aren't together. Right. Like, the, I'm not sure exactly why they, they were separated by John, you know, but um, it, it really would be great, I think, personally, if they were side by side in, in the order because they, they are meant to be read together. And if you read them, mm-hmm. they, they're seamless.
1: Mm-hmm. As soon as Luke ends, the very next story just yes. rolls on.
2: We argue, man's the one that canonized this. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, it's You're but right. but back in the day when they were put in order, that's you know that that's yeah. what they just they, yeah. they
1: threw in. the Gospel of John in there just because they want the Gospels in the front. Well, if mm-hmm. they did them in order that they were written or in the story order, the Bibles, the New Testament is significantly different.
0: Yes, I mean, we if you look at other canons other than what you have, it'll change your view on how some things were placed together. Uh, the order of some things. I mean, even coming up when I was doing all my studies was one of the things we talked about with Luke was we talked about, like Jeff had said we know Luke used Mark. We know he used Matthew, and he used something we think he used Q, which is an unknown document. And what we talk about is in the Luke gospel, there are some things that aren't mentioned in Matthew or Mark, but Luke talks about them. And we say that he got it from an unknown document that we don't have today. And they just call it Q. Um,
2: Which is like German for Quella, or yeah. source. Yeah. So just like Q is the German, you know, like abbreviation for this source. But like it could be a document or it could have been oral tradition. Oral perhaps. tradition.
1: And, and throw that, just throw another little wrinkle in there. We know, Matt, we... We taught Matthew a year ago. Mm -hmm. We know Matthew wrote two books. We only have a copy of the late second one. Right. And so the first one was written just to the Jews, it was written very early on. All we know about it is stories from other early Christian writers about, oh, the oracles of Matthew, which uh, we know went to the east. Uh, and so a lot of people say that Q may actually be the first book that Matthew wrote, which was just, as far as we can tell, the teachings of Jesus. It wasn't an organized gospel the way we think of it. Right. It was just Matthew writing down the teachings of Jesus that he sent to Jewish Christians throughout where where the Jews were, primarily in, what well, was the old Babylon. So, to the east of Jerusalem. Right. Also, one thing that
0: interests me about Luke is, you ever notice, it never mentions his name. Luke doesn't name himself as the author of this letter. So, where do you think we get this understanding that he is the author? Anybody?
2: Is it just church tradition? I don't know. Church Church tradition plays into it. And from the some places where it's in Acts he talks about weed, the weed. Right? <laughs> the we. The
0: weeds, the uh, the weeds sections of Acts which that helps us know that oh this is a compatriot of Paul and he has a first-hand knowledge of what Paul's doing up close and personal and in some cases you hear stories where he talks about we you might hear the story in Galatians
2: but he'll tell it in Acts. So in, in Acts there's a lot of sto- like he's traveling around like a you know, whole lot they, him and, and, and some of the time He says, we traveled here or there, Uh and that he's on that trip with Paul. And
0: that's what he saw. So it's interesting that a couple of semesters ago when I taught uh, the story of the church at Lipscomb, to undergrad students, we went through the Book of Acts. So as I taught it, I had to insert the epistles where they went in the storyline. Because the epistles of Ephesians and stuff like that, it'll fit in if you know what you're looking at. You'll see how the epistles would fit right where you're going in this journey with Paul. And so, Luke, when he wrote this, he was pretty pretty good in what he was doing. How he formulated and put things together um, (coughs) that kind of give us a footprint. So this document is definitely to help people journey. Okay? Mm -hmm. This is an introductory document to who Jesus is. And then his second part is to who the church is. Some believe it was written in order to show that the church is not a threat to the state, as some might have said. Because Romans had come to believe that the church was a threat because of how we were treated back in the day. They thought we were subversives. They thought we were trying to overthrow the state. When we talked about Jesus as Lord, a lot of people don't understand the political ramifications that that title holds. When you say that Jesus is Lord... Because your Roman emperors also carried a deified name within his long list of names, but we only typically know them as Caesar, or, or what's the other dude? Augustus, August, August, not Augustinian. What is that? Do? Augustus Caesar. Uh, we only know about those names, but there's a lot of other names in there as a as a title for the emperor. Uh, humans have a habit of always want to try to claim deity or relationship to deity when they reach a place of of, of a power. That's the first thing they always want to grasp for. And this is throughout human history. So, in Luke, whoever this audience is, whether it be a man or it be a group of people, he's trying to give them the story the best he knows it. And he tells us that in the first, very first uh, verses of it. And my iPad keeps going off on me. Well, I'm to try to refer back to my Bible. Hold on one second. Let me my screen. Hopefully it will help. All right. Because what it starts off first is in verse 1. It says, since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us. Now look at this. He said, many have undertaken. So other people are writing about this, y'all. You know, I don't know exactly how many. We have Luke, we have Mark, we have Matthew, and we have John's accounts of what happened. Who else wrote about it? I don't know. But we see that many have undertaken to try to do this, uh, to put down an orderly account of these events. So he says, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So one thing you have to think about right here is, during the time period this was written, oral tradition and oral transmission of things was very popular. It was very uh, likely that a lot of it got carried around because not everybody could read and write, so they had to heavily depend upon their memory. Unlike us today, we have cell phones, we got computers, we have voice recorders. So we typically forget what we just said five seconds ago, like I just did. So if I go back around the circle, that's the reason why <laughs> somebody needs to write that down. <laughs> but uh, so in writing this down, this also lets us know that this is definitely going to people who are educated. Who can read this, or at least somebody who's educated who can read it to others. Because back in the day, not everybody could get their own copy, and like we have today, we have a blessing that we can sit down with our own Bible, whether it be physical, electronic, on the cell phone, we have our own copies. That's not the case in the first century. Okay? A lot of times when these letters were written, it went to a group or a person, and that person would then take it to the small group and read it aloud. And these people had an impeccable uh, retention, memory, that they could hear something and remember it. Because remember in Scripture, storytelling, the narratives are very, very prevalent. You know, even in Deuteronomy, it tells me you would tell the story. Tell the story. So, we see that the storytelling aspect of Judaism is still stuck in the main fabric of Christianity. That you got to remember the story. So many have undertaken to retell this story, to retell the narrative of Jesus. So here we are once again, and we're going to retell this narrative of the story. But Luke is saying, all right, I have talked to folks. I wasn't there myself, but I've talked to eyewitnesses, And I'm trying to give you an orderly account of what's going on. So that you understand why you're doing what you're doing. Has anybody just done something and didn't know why you did what you did? I know I have. You know, growing up in the Church of Christ where I was at, uh, I didn't know why we did a lot of things. Like why we used to have this white tablecloth over the communion. When you were a kid, I had no clue as to why it was there. And you better not touch it.
2: It was like the ark. Yeah, yeah, it was.
0: Because your grandmama was going to knock you out if you did. It would be just like that guy who caught the ark. I mean, you catch that purse, quit it! So, it was things like that when I was a kid, why we did what we did. And nobody could ever tell me. I'm like, so why do we put the tablecloth over that? You know, and nobody really knew. You know, they didn't think about, well, back in the day... And we were out in Burst Harbors and stuff, and outside, we had to cover to keep flies off of it. But when you got your building you came inside, you just kept on doing it. So the next generation kept on doing it. It kept on doing it. And then by the time you got down to my generation, it was gospel. But they didn't know why it was gospel. So that's what we want to go in here in, in this study in Luke. We're going to go in here with open eyes. Let's approach this like we've never read Luke before and see what God shows us. I invite y'all to do that with us as we as we study this. And any you do Bible study, don't go into it thinking, oh, I know this. Well, from experience, you're gonna miss something if you do. You're gonna miss something that may be meant for you because you are a living, breathing, growing organism. And what you thought yesterday is different from what you think today because you grew. You don't wear the same shoes you wore as you were 12. Okay, so your mind works the same way. Your mind's gonna grow as you keep going. So one thing you saw ten years ago in Luke, you might find something different today, because of baggage, because of things you may have went through, things you may have experienced. Your experiences transform how you hear Scripture, how you how you uh, what's the word for it, compute it, how you crunch it. So let's enter the loop with a brand new perspective as we study this this uh, semester. And don't be afraid. Please don't be afraid to share. What you're seeing in the scriptures that you studied, what you're hearing when we read out, or what you hear what we're saying, please share with the class. Because in a communal setting, that's how you learn. And we want to try to put that in a communal setting. And we're just trying to facilitate the thought of what's happening here, okay? We don't know all of what's going on in Luke. We confess that. We fall short of that. We, we've studied it extensively, yet we are still yearning for more, okay? So sometimes we get more when we come to classes like this. Because your experiences from where you come from in life help us interpret sometimes. Because God is speaking through his word, through his people. And we gotta learn how to listen to both. So we're gonna have some fun with Luke, but Luke is a pretty interesting character. Uh, As like Andy, I wanna go back to something Andy had mentioned, and that's the weak stances. Uh, because some people when they say uh, I've run into something where some scholars don't believe that the we actually was placing that author there. they believe that the we may have been a literary device used to try to help bring the mind of the reader to the, uh, and to the uh, narrative. Uh, I honestly think the person was there <laughs> because the stuff he was saying he had to get some kind of especially with Paul. it's just certain things that he said, in Luke, and in Acts, it illuminates stuff we see in the epistles that we didn't know. You know, when you see Paul, let's see, for example, what is that? Oh, it escapes my memory right now, but I'll tell you what the story has to deal with. It has to deal with the late shins when Paul and Peter had a rift. Okay, the rift happened in outside of Jerusalem. But in order to reconcile the rift, they had to come back to Jerusalem and talk it over with the other leaders in the church. Okay. You'll see part of this in Acts. And then you'll hear it more in depth about it in Galatians. When Paul goes in depth. of talking about what happened. Paul says a revelation happened. You know. And you'll see Luke's account. I think it's around Acts 15 or so. Talking about what he sees. So it's kind of interesting in perspective. It, it, it's, it's beautiful. To see how this gets laid out. So one thing about Luke also. Is. Some people have tried to use Luke as a history book. You know, and they'll approach it in critical analysis because one thing Luke does is where is it at? He gives names. Why is name why are names important? Why do you think that? Why would you think a name would be important? Don't answer this, Jeff.
2: It's <laughs> references.
0: Bingo. References. It gives you a footprint in time. If I tell you during the time of King Hezekiah, what does that do? You have a time reference, a time stamp. So then you can go back and see, okay, this is how people thought during this time period. Or this is what people may have believed. So Luke is pretty good in what he does. Uh, In verse 5 of chapter 1, what does he say? In the days of King Herod of Judea, he had to give you a stamp. And he had to tell you the place because it was very imper- pertinent that you knew which Herod we're talking about. Because he had sons also that wore the title or the name of Herod. So Luke, I love reading Luke because he kind of gives you a map. Now, some scholars have argued that Luke was wrong on some things. I think in one part, what was it, uh, During the time of Quinrius, they've argued that point in some aspects. When you look at biblical, uh, 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 what's the word for it? Critical critical, um, analysis of scripture will sometimes show you some things, and you have to start questioning okay, what could have happened here? So some of his stamps, some people argue, oh, these are incorrect, or these aren't right spot on. Okay, so we'll we'll when we come to those, we'll talk about that in depth, uh, discuss that about that, because I used to have issues with some of the things like that, that were really man. I took this class with George Goldman. Anybody here know George or Dr. Goldman? I love him to death, but he messed my world up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I took critical introduction with him as a uh, as a sophomore at Lipscomb, and it was an intensive course. Uh, so we had one week to learn all this stuff. <laughs> and oh my gosh. The way he would just show like, well, let's look at this, let's look at this. It just tore everything apart I thought I knew. Which is good. Because then I had to approach it all fresh again. So, but um, this is what happens with Luke. Some of these little things like that are going to jump out at you. And you're probably going to leave here and start going back home and Googling things and looking at it like, Oh, he sent this, I got to check this out. Or or they said, look, where did this come from? And so that's one thing we hope to help you with right there is to start learning how to delve deeper into this thing. Because Luke is one of my favorite uh, gospels because of how it's formulated and how it functions and flows, especially dealing with church and dealing with Jesus and how he tells the story. You know? Of course, John is the my for me. John is my all-time favorite, because I like his theological significance and where he comes from. It's like, okay, these three told you this, but I'm gonna tell you about this. I like that, because like Andy said, Luke is a synoptic, so it's similar to the other two. As Jeff pointed out, he loved Mark, and probably Matthew, because Matthew loved Mark too, because Matthew was 95% Mark. So, coming into this storyline, this is why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John echo one another, okay? I want to get that understanding out there. So as we study, don't do what I used to do. Don't accidentally quote Mark when you're studying Luke or quote Matthew when you're trying to quote Luke because it's imperative you, you understand where you're sending it when you're talking about it because it can throw your meanings off. Uh, I remember forget, preaching a sermon in the Gospels under uh, Dr. John York at Lipscomb. Hey, man, I had a good sermon too, Andy. Mm-hmm. I preached, uh, That day I preached the paint off the wall. That's right.
2: The paint was peeling. <clears throat>
0: man. Bring it. And then when I got done, Dr. York said, that was, that was just fantastic. There's one problem, though. I said, what's that? I assigned you, Luke, but you preached out of Matthew. <laughs> I did? He said, yeah, you did. He said, because all these thoughts, those are Matthew's thoughts. That wasn't Luke. I'm like, how did I do that? He said, people tend to do that because we try to throw them to together. He said, "But well, respect Luke as being Luke. Don't let Matthew control Luke." I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't realize I was doing that. God. So that's another thing that's part of the study of them. Let's see what other my notes here. I got. It. Okay, we know whoever wrote Luke was a traveling companion of Paul. Does anybody think uh, or any other? I've read into some things where people suggest it could have been somebody else other than Luke. Uh, some think it could have been Silas. Uh, Some have raised that it could have been Mark, which is John Mark, Demas, Timothy, Epaphras, Barnabas, and Aristarchus. I still think it's Luke. The early church fathers, by by the start of the third century, mid to late, you start seeing people referring to Luke as being the author of Luke. Because it has no title in there, really. We humans have put titles on these things. But the church fathers even thought, hey, this is who this person was. Uh, And when I say church father, I'm talking about like Justin Martyr. He had mentioned it in his book, Dialogues, that the person who wrote Luke was a follower of Paul. Then you had, uh, of course, in the Muratorian canon, it listed Luke the doctor. Okay? Irenaeus ties the gospel of Luke. Uh, She ties this author as being Luke to the gospel because of the we sections that Andy mentioned when it says we in Acts Tertullian and Eusebius they also uh, believe it had a Pauline connection and they also attributed in note that it possibly is Luke okay Luke we run into Luke by name in Colossians in, Coloss- in the, uh, Colossae is what we find that's how we know he's a physician Colossians chapter four. So we see him traveling with Paul. This is why we are attributing. Oh, this is who this apostle is. Is because why Paul's talking about him in this letter. Does that make sense? So this is how we've come to understand that Luke is who Luke is because of these people. Uh, we go off of what others were writing about this during the time periods of the church. Because in the early church, a lot of things are identified by. People closer to the time period. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay.
1: And also remember that all the Gospels, none of them had their names that we called them by. Right. Until like the 200. Because it takes, everyone knew the stories and they knew the letters, but once you got two, three, four generations out, they had to start calling them something. Uh-huh. And because everyone had the letters, but they, and so that's why they started calling Matthew, Matthew. Right. And Mark, Mark, and Luke, Luke, and John, John, was that it was probably in the late 100s, early 200s, that they started to also put the canon together. Because there are also letters written out there that, like the Gospel of Timothy, not Timothy, is that right? Uh, Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. 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 Gospel of Thomas, uh, that does not fit in the canon. Because in the, you know, in the 100s, you start seeing guys writing Gospels and letters to push the church the direction they want to push it. And so you see in the 200s the rise of the canons where the guys go, wait a minute, we know this was written here. We, you know, my grandfather had a copy of this letter, so we know it was from this date. And so you see the canon put together. And you see people given everything, the names that we call them. So that, you know, when you said Mark, when people understood Mark is Mark, and Matthew's Matthew, and Luke is Luke.
2: Canon being like the standard. Right. It's just a, a twenty seven books we got. Fancy way to say that this is the standard thing, like. Now you talk about, I'm a, I'm a big fantasy sci-fi nerd or whatever, so like Star Wars canon, yeah. what is officially, like some of the stories that have written, you know, afterwards by other authors, well that's not canon or whatever, I don't know which ones are are, but I know that all, the ones owned by Disney are Star Wars canon, like the standard, like so it's just well, we a, a term for, it's a Bible. Right, so like, so the, the, there was, uh, yeah, a standard of accepted books um, that went through, you um, agreement by early church fathers uh, church church members and then kind of they said, yep, these are the ones that we, we all agree are um, are relevant and accurate.
0: Right. And not all churches back then not every one of them used the same canon or the collections. If you look at the Ethiopian canon it's different from what we would use. But they supposed to, they have some of the older <coughs> view, the older canon that follow the Christian tradition. Now, if you hear us say 1st, 2nd, or 3rd century, this is typically, I'm gonna correct me if I'm wrong, but 0 to 99 will be the first, okay? This is when the gospel lived. This is when the gospel breathed. This is when the people were experiencing this. This is when Jesus got uh, crucified. The temple got destroyed. People died in Masada. A lot of stuff happened during this time period. We had revolts. We had fights. We had crucifixions. A lot of stuff happened. So after you that, you come into the second century. This is where you're dealing with by this time, let's believe we have no living apostles anymore. I think the last one died in 99, 90s. Uh, John. died in the 90s. 90s yeah. Yeah. So by this time, you have second generation Christians running the church. Uh, disciples of the disciples now. So these guys were walking through there, and they have encountered these people who first got it. So they're now about it. So when you hear us say second century, or if Jeff gets up here and he tells you about a document that's dated to the second century, most of the oldest documents are dated to the second century. That's pretty close. But we don't have the autograph, which is the original, the actual letters.
2: Uh, like the one where Luke put his pen on the paper, you know, but that one, like that one's not not the, the autograph. Fact. Right.
0: That we don't have those.
1: And also remember, it was extremely common and expected that you're going to, that there were copies. Right. That, well, yes, Luke wrote an original, but the first thing they would have done is copy that out. Yeah. And sent that throughout. And especially when you're looking at uh, Matthew and Mark, who are written to a distributed uh, population, as soon as Matthew and Mark wrote theirs, the first thing that happened Copies were made. Yes. It's, it's like if somebody publishes a work Right. Well, we don't have the original manuscript that they wrote it. Right. Published copy. Right. 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 And, right. So, and so that's what we
2: have are the copies that come off the original. This may not be something that concerns you in your daily right. life, you know, but the, the, <laughs> it, so we're getting into a little minutia. But like it, it is helpful for me. This one fact is that like if you go to ancient documents and you consider any relevant history, like there's a whole bunch of manuscripts of the New Testament in general but specifically the gospels. Yeah. So like, like if you take any historical standards of trying to find accurate history as far as like just the number of documents this is this is something i've been told you know I read in books so i can't verify this by my experience of counting them all but like supposedly there's a lot of um, just just physical copies of these of the gospels existing Mm-hmm. And, and enough to, to bring to a historical standard of saying, hey, if any history that we can find is, is valid, then this should be also considered just on the basis of the sheer volume of different like manuscripts and copies of text that we have. Right. Because
0: back in the day, you got to think now, in, in this century right here, you could actually grow up and get a job as a copier, a scribe. That was an actual job. I'm just going to copy. What are you doing today? I'm going to copy some Bible. I mean, this is what they did, and they were distributing. And you have been an educated position, you
2: know? Yes. I mean, like, you
0: know, you had to be you know. literate. And even in this time period, you run into that, too. People are still copying, okay? They're still distributing and circulating these letters of Paul uh, around places. It was even said, uh, like, what was it? People did this for years because, how we found some of our older manuscripts that predated the uh, manuscripts that were used to write the King James Bible. There was a cat who was in Sinai at a monastery, sitting in front of a fire, studying and reading. And he was—this is this hurts, but it's so funny when I think about it—is that he looked up. You know, they were trying to keep the fire going, so there was a stack of paper over here that they were just throwing into the fire to keep the fire going. He goes over and he picks up a piece. And before he, when he turned to throw it, the light hits it, and he looks at it, he sees something on it was in Greek, And he stops, and he starts reading it, and he realized he had a Septuagint version of the Old Testament in his hand. An old one. But the people at the monastery didn't think it was anything. They just started burning the stuff, and they were burning some of our oldest scrolls and documents we now have that helped us understand what was going on. He discovered it. No telling how many have been destroyed in this fashion. You know? Because sometimes we see things we think is antiquated, we don't think it has any value, so we get rid of it. That's why I'm a pack rat. <laughs> <laughs> Justification. <laughs> <laughs> I <didn't laughs> and I didn't realize how bad I was <clears throat> until I had to unpack. And get ready to move. Yeah. And then I'm like, where did all this stuff come from? <laughs> My you're wife's rich. like, well, I guess what you want to do? Throw it all away. She's like, baby, well, you can't throw it all away. You're going to throw some away that you need. No, I don't want to. I said, just throw it away. So she'll go through something. She you want to throw this away? Say, What's that? It was a check. Oh, don't listen to me. <laughs> just look through everything. <laughs> so. So that's what happens here when we talk about the centers and everything, what the people were doing. And I know it's probably more to y'all, but we get hyped up off this stuff because we study it like that. I love it. Because uh, I like to know how people thought, which brought them to how they were doing, why they were doing things. And this helps us in, in uh, our introductions, I believe.
1: And we also remember that the church is an underground church uh-huh. until three of them. 306. So put that up there. And so, you know, a lot of the writings the Romans were destroyed because they the church was seen as anti-government. You know, which is one of the arguments for the book of Luke and Acts, Mm -hmm. is that it's the defense of Paul in front of Caesar. That this book was written as the defense so think of it like a legal document that he's going to submit to the court and that because the, the book of acts ends while paul is still alive yeah it's probably like the end of Acts, what like, around 62 yeah somewhere in the mid 60s and so, so that's one of the thoughts is that so the church so we've got lots and lots of writings once you get to the 300s you know the romans copy everything yeah we have tons of roman writing so, once the church becomes official, we have tons of writing. Prior to that, everything was underground. So, anything that exists was hidden in a monastery, uh, it was hidden somewhere, and that's where we tend to find it. Is when we're looking for something else, we come across things. I, mean, I think our old, like Angus was saying, the oldest writings we really have are in the 100s. Yeah. And, 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 th- and those are, the ones we have of those are copies that were made yeah. in the 300s.
2: Because you have to think about it,
1: you know, if you have something written in 110, uh, Arrhenius, uh, when, you know, 200 years later, think about well the way we think of Thomas Jefferson writings. Yeah. Or George Washington's writings. That's the time frame we're talking about is people come later and go, oh, I've got a copy of Arrhenius. You know, it's one of your early church fathers. Mm-hmm. He's 100 years after Jesus. Right. But when the church is official, he's still 200 years old.
2: Here's just a, a, another sidebar, too. It's like we can't comprehend, I personally can't comprehend that. I, I would posit that probably you can't either. What it would be like to live 1,000 years ago, much less back then. Because, like, the, the, the difference between the printing press and the way information is given out now and, like, I mean, obviously even the last 100 years... Is so much better, but like th- their mindsets are so different than ours. So just, I mean, even a thousand years ago, if you yes. go back two thousand years ago. So I think that that is really helpful to, to have in the back of your mind when you're reading any scripture, um, just to think of like, wow, the way we see the world um, is so different than the way they. If, they if would we wouldn't see
0: it. teleport a person from that time to our time, this time would we'll just totally mess them up. Because of the way they understood and thought how this world was fabricated and how it went, some of the things we see and do now would totally fly in to the face of what their belief system was. So it, this, this is something to definitely take into account of how to understand it, this text and trying to kind of get as close as we can to trying to get an understanding of what the people would hear. You
1: don't think we would have a
0: Twitter page? <laughs> If Twitter was something back then, that would be the best thing he could have. Because it would be so much easier to communicate the gospel. He would just tweet it out every morning around 7. <laughs> All right. So, do we have any comments or any questions? All righty. So, next week, do we, are you we still doing introductions or are we going straight into the text? Yeah, we'll, we'll start with
1: one. Yeah, Catch well, one. Okay. You get on. We're not gonna do one chapter a week because there's too many chapters for the number of weeks we have. So what we're gonna try to do is pick the best story out of the chapter we're doing that week. Right. The chapters we're doing that week. And try to do a little depth on that. Uh, and try to give us some of the background
2: where it fits into the loop into the loop in story. So if you have if you want homework and you can read chapters one and two yeah, for this week. Bring your questions. If
0: you're extra happy about it, go and hit three of them. Okay. <laughs>
2: one, two, and three. <laughs> All right,
0: yeah, y'all, y'all take it easy.